0: Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Covenant Eyes. There was a time if you wanted to keep your children from being exposed to pornography, you mostly had to monitor the types of kids they hung out with. You know what I mean? But that's not the case anymore. It is pervasive, dangerous. It worms its way into people's homes, their relationship, their lives. It ruins marriages and isolates people from one another and it exploits innocence. It's a problem. And if you have a problem, you want to make sure that you can stay away from it. Get Covenant Eyes accountability software free for 30 days. Just visit it. CoveEyes.com slash Glenn. That's C-O-V-E-Y-E-S dot com slash Glenn. Block pornography and and be accountable for it. Please check out Coveyes.com slash Glenn. Tomorrow's the one-year anniversary of the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Do you have your tree up to celebrate yet? Because I do. It is great. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Also, the disasters just keep coming. This disaster of a a loan forgiveness is not forgiveness it's a transfer of wealth the largest transfer from the poor to the rich in american history it is the same amount of money that we spent in 2022 to fund the entire u.s army but no big deal let's just give it away that and jared kushner a guy who's actually quietly done a hell of a lot of stuff and really never got credit for him for it. He's got a new book out, really, really good. I mean, it's, well, I'm going to ask him a couple of questions that are in the book, and you have to read the book. How did Jared Kushner become the guy who cracked the Middle East Peace Accords? Jared Kushner joins me in 60 seconds. Look, there might be, you know, something you want to change in your house, refresh things, spice your house up just a little bit. You're going to make some uh, few changes to your living environment. The easiest and the most effective way for the money to make a difference in your house is blind shade, shutters, things like that. Now, also, we're headed towards winter. Uh, the I don't know about your electric bill, but mine is insane. Insane. If you're living in a house that, you know, you don't have really insulated windows, shutters make a huge huge difference it'll spice up your house make it look nice contemporary shutters drapes blinds whatever but it will also help you cut the cost of energy so go to blinds.com right now they're having an amazing special it's 40 percent off everything at blinds.com blinds.com go there now rules and restrictions may apply Do you remember this from Saturday Night Live? And now sitting in my little cushball, Jared Kushner. You're unbelievable. Jared, I've sent you all around the world to represent me. but No one's ever heard you speak. You're like a little Jewish amelie. You know, it's amazing. In the time that guy went on to shoot somebody on the set and kill him, Uh, Alec Baldwin, which I didn't see coming. And also, I don't think people saw coming the the Abrahamic Accords. Jared Kushner joins us now uh, and his uh, his new book that is out breaking history, a White House memoir. Hello, Jared. How are you? You're doing great.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for reminding me of that uh, that, that SNL skit. That was yeah. quite funny.
0: I mean, they really hammered you. At one point, they put you in little short pants. And I don't know about you. I think you, based on that response, feel the same way. When they first started mocking me on Saturday Night Live, I thought, wow, I've made it somehow or another. Um, <laughs> even if they're making fun of you, that's, that's great. Even better. Um, but How everybody said, Jared Kushner, how could you possibly send him to the Middle East? We've been trying to crack this code for 80 years now. And yet you did. Can you talk a little bit about what you write about in the book, about how you crack that?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, it it, it was definitely a challenge that when we got involved, it was, it, I don't know, maybe they thought I couldn't make it any worse than all the professionals who'd worked on it for <laughs> decades before, but uh, but, but what I did was I went there, and, and I write about this extensively in my book, uh, how my first year was really spent just listening. I, I was meeting with all the different leaders, and I was asking them questions, which they actually had a hard time processing at first, because they were so used to not having these questions asked, which is, America has so much power to influence things. And we've done some things that actually have made this region much worse. If you were in my shoes, what would you be doing? And and finally, it got to really interesting conversations. And I listened to everyone's point of view. And I, I really realized that peace is about the future and that you have to get people to focus on their joint interests. So let's put everyone on the same side of the table. And then there were certain patterns that became very clear to me that were contrary to what all the conventional wisdom was. And there's one example I give in the book where I was meeting with one of the great foreign policy uh, academics who who's well respected and I I laid out for him my approach and I said to him, Well do you think I have a chance of succeeding? And he said, Absolutely not. And I said, why so negative? He said Jared, nobody's made any money betting on success in the Middle East in the last 25 years, so I like Mm. that you're bringing new ideas, but you just have no chance of being successful. But ultimately, I think by building strong relationships, by thinking outside the box, again, I write a lot in this book about uh, President Trump and my interactions with him and my interactions with all the world leaders. We took a fresh approach. We tried to be empirical. We tried to be pragmatic. We saw things for what they were. And again, we were ruthlessly criticized for the approach we took in the Middle East up until it worked.
0: So in the book, you talk about David Freeman, um, and he's a bankruptcy lawyer in Manhattan. And he suggested and you guys decided to use uh, to look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict like a bankruptcy. So um, can you explain that? And is it that you guys were not you know, Council of Foreign Relations years and years at the State Department that you came from a business background and had a totally fresh set of eyes?
1: So so you have to always look at a situation and put yourself in the other people's shoes and try to figure out what are the fulcrum components that are driving a situation. And so when we look at the situation, you know, you you couldn't equate the Israelis and the Palestinians. One was a democracy. One was a kleptocracy. One had a super powerful military. One was basically, you know, just just kind of a it was it was kind of a, a con job at some point. And so we saw it for what it was. And we weren't trying to be balanced. We were trying to be honest. And I think that that Really, uh, really was 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 distorting for a lot of people. So we we saw that the whole Palestinian situation was uh, they got billions of dollars of aid. There was it was never conditions based, and we basically said like you know U.S. foreign aid is not entitlement. If we're going to give you this money, uh, we want to see certain things happen. And so we worked very hard over a couple of years to do certain things. And again, I give President Trump tremendous credit for what he did because when he moved the embassy, I I take people into the situation room and how he had opposition from Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, the intel community said World War III would occur. And what he basically did was he calibrated uh, all of the different advice, he made a very measured decision, decided to go forward with it, despite the advice of everyone that it was going to cause war. Uh, he tasked me with reaching out to all the different leaders and saying, look, you know, don't, you can't cherry pick your relationship with America. We're helping you with Iran. We're helping you with military. We're helping you with economy. You know, don't, don't mess around with this. And so he made the decision. Uh, everyone said the world was going to end. And then what happened was the next morning, the sun rose, the next evening, the sun set and life moved on and it was done. And the same thing happened with the Iran deal. So President Trump was starting to realize that certain variables that people thought were fixed were actually fluid. And I give many examples in the book of these interactions and how we moved around all these different uh, elements in order to create the opportunity for people to see the Israeli-Palestinian issue for what it really was and to see that it really was about leadership trying to stay in power so they could maintain the flow of funds that they had. And they had no interest in making... The lives of their people better. I believe that the, the the job of a of a leader is number one to keep their people safe, and number two to give them an environment where they can have opportunity to better their lives and their children's lives, and have hope and and, and, and excitement for the future. So, and the Palestinian leadership was 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 not doing that.
0: In your uh, book, we're talking to Jared Kushner in his book Breaking History, a White House memoir um you you talk about one of the things that you were doing was and totally makes sense. you united the Middle East um, because you recognized the common foe was Iran, and that kind of brought people together and and when your dad or when your father in law the president got out of uh, the iran uh, you know the stupid dangerous Iran uh peace deal um that made a difference how much of a role did that play and what does it mean that we are sitting down at the table with iran now
1: so, so the first deal in 2014 was probably one of the worst transactions ever done it may be in the history of of diplomacy and it just made absolutely no sense iran was on a glide path to a nuclear weapon uh, they had gotten $150 billion in funds that were basically now they were using to to fund Hezbollah, Hamas, all these different people. They were chanting death to America, death to Israel. It made absolutely no sense. But what it did is it kind of scared the crap out of all of the Arab countries to say, okay, this is uh, – this could be that bad. And actually, when we got there, they were starting to rebuild their relationship with China and saying, look, are we, you know, when, when America, when did the deal with Persia, we were thinking we had to teach our kids Chinese because America was not dependable anymore. And we said, wait, guys, wait, wait a minute. Calm down here. These 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 relationships that we've had with you guys have been longstanding many, many decades. You know, we we agree that what happened here was terrible. But let's figure out a rational policy. And we, we what we did is we reimposed sanctions on Iran. We took their um their oil exports down from 2.6 million barrels a day to 100,000. Uh, wow. We really dissected their economy and we, 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 they were out of foreign currency reserves and we stopped. And what Trump you say about Iran is that they never uh, won a war, but they've never lost a negotiation. And so he figured out how to really create a better condition than what we inherited. And we really tried to give the incoming administration a much stronger hand, which was only buttressed by the fact that we had Iraq much more stable than when we got there. ISIS caliphate was 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 eliminated. And now we have the Abraham Accord. So all the way from Haifa, our goal is to try to create a, a place of security from Haifa to Muscat in, in Oman, and then get economic connectivity between it all Jeez. to basically show the Iranian people that there would be the opportunity uh. for you to live a better life if you join into this. So instead of following – again, we had six peace deals in the last six months. I write about how we made those uh, occur. Uh, instead, the administration runs and goes back to Iran on their knees begging to make the old stupid deal. And so it, it makes no sense to me. But again, I think that what you'll see in this book is that we came with an outsider's perspective. We, we tried to bring common sense. And again, we, we really broke the mold on a lot of issues and did things contrary to what people who were the conventional thinkers in Washington did and why they did those things for decades before we got there. I didn't understand why they're going back to some of these things now that, you know, we've seen that these policies that, that were different are working uh, ma- makes absolutely no sense.
0: Uh, we are going to be short on time. So I uh, there's so many questions I'd like to ask you, for instance, uh, you know, if you would have thrown in bad stuff about <laughs> President Trump, you would have made a fortune <laughs> and the left would have loved <laughs> you and leave left you alone. And you didn't do it. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, I, I've learned that the, the, the love of the left is something that is, uh, it's not worth what people think it is. I see people contorting themselves and saying certain things that they don't believe or not saying certain things that they believe, uh, but the left has no loyalty. They turn on you in a second, and uh, I think it's much better to say the truth. And yeah. and look, I, I do think that being in the White House, I, I saw so much information asymmetry in terms of how we recovered, what we did. Uh, but again, there was two currents in this book that, that I tried to capture uh, happening at the same time. One was that we run to relentless attacks, being accused of collusion with Russia and treason, and then you know, we were impeached for, for trying to investigate corruption in Ukraine and attacked by the media. And I tried to show what it was like living through all of that, while also getting all these things done, right when President trump uh, you know in office, we had uh, inflation was low, gas prices were low, wages were rising, the wealth gap was shrinking, we had peace in Europe, we had peace with you know with China, we were making great deals, we had them on their back foot, and that didn't all happen by accident and so I tried to take people inside the room and the trade deals, the negotiations with President Putin, the negotiations with with King Salman, the negotiations with with President Xi, and how Trump used his unusual style in order to achieve these outcomes. And at the end of the day, I, I find a lot of my friends who are on the left, they hyperventilate over different things that Trump will say or how they, they, they perceive it. But I think that results matter. And I want people to understand how those results were achieved. And it's been very disheartening for me to watch how, again, you put the government bureaucrats back in charge and inflation is rising. We have a war in Europe. China's you know, being provocative with Taiwan. North Korea's firing off weapons. I write in, in here about how Trump was able to create the relationship with Kim, Jong- Kim Jong-un and going to the DMZ, how he you know walked into North Korea. Nobody knows how that came about and how it almost didn't happen uh, many, many times. And so I wanted people to really understand how he did the things and why him being the way he is, empowered by and, and working with the right people around him, enabled him to accomplish so much.
0: Um, your, your book is fascinating and it it it, i mean it really is a thriller (laughs) all of the things you just laid out it is it's a thriller um uh let me ask you one thing because there was there's parts of the book that get very very personal and uh one of my favorite parts is when you talk about your grandma and we've only got about two minutes your grandmother was 16 when the nazis invaded poland your family went from ghettos to mansions in three generations, which is remarkable. Can you talk a little bit what your grandmother went through and how that affected you with the Abrahamic Accords?
1: Sure. Uh, so my, my grandparents were both in uh, in Belarus and, and then the Nazis came in. My grandmother, I write about how in her town they took uh, 50 of the educated Jews. They shot them in the head, the Nazis, and then they made the young women uh, like my grandmother clean the blood. Off of the stones, while they had you know other Jews playing instruments to 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 celebrate it, it it was a brutal experience. They joined the the resistance fighters in the woods. They were you know out of a town of ten thousand two hundred fifty. Uh, that escaped. And then ultimately, they got married in Hungary. They came over to America on a boat. Uh, I write about how my grandfather went to New Jersey. He was a carpenter. He said he was afraid of heights, so he couldn't work in the buildings in Brooklyn. So they said, go to New Jersey. They have shorter buildings there. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just an amazing American story. And so I, I try to take people through that very quickly. But I'll, I'll say that for me, you know, again, I, I, what I saw working in the White House going from you know, the son of refugee, uh, the grandson of refugees is that America is an absolute amazing country. It's a, it's a place with incredible opportunity. We have amazing people. And what President Trump tried to do with the administration was to allow for the American dream to, to be prevalent, to allow for it to be deep, to give everyone equal opportunity. Uh, and I think that's what our policies did. And for me to be able to work on the Abraham Accords as a grandchild of Holocaust survivors, and I talk about my interactions with the Germans, where I was actually very disappointed with the, the lack of enthusiasm and the lack of of of, of of engagement that they had with us given that you know the whole plight that we still have in the Middle East I explained how it really is a, 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 a remnant of the post-World War II anti-Semitism that mm-hmm. existed because of the Holocaust and because of the Nazis and so I, I just think that it, it was an amazing honor to do it and and I say it is an extraordinary story and I really you know I, I believe that God has his hand in in everything we do I'm a very very uh, big believer in that and just very very grateful for all these experiences I and again I, it, a lot of it was very difficult I write in the first year about how I had to adjust. I was surrounded by a lot of complicated people. Um, but I go through the lessons I learned, and I was trying to give people who have never served in Washington, who, who obviously have followed the Trump administration, who follow politics, a real insight into what it's like to serve in Washington, what it's like to, to work in the White House, and what it's like to kind of navigate and all the lessons I learned so that hopefully uh, businessmen will, will continue to go and serve in government so we don't have the career political class that often is trying to keep power as opposed to make people's lives better.
0: Jared Kushner, uh, the name of the book is Breaking History, Uh, If you don't know, where have you been? He was a former senior advisor to President Trump. uh, And this book is really a a thriller to see from the inside what was going on and how they did the things that uh, they did. By the way, you were nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Please tell me you didn't lose it to like Greta Thunberg or. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no I, okay. I i lost it to a journalist who nobody's ever heard of did but, but i guess I, I i guess they created more peace than we did yeah though, which, yeah uh, it's crazy but, uh, you know i, I it's, it's, it's you know the 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 peace is the prize yeah, and, I and i see every day i get you know people send me pictures of israeli fruit being sold in emirati supermarkets or of new flights or of new business deals being done and and really reuniting israelis and 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 muslims it's just uh, jews and muslims in, in the middle east it's 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 such a beautiful thing. And so the dividends from this is is paying forever in terms of the positivity that that
0: it's unleashed. Well, I think it was truly a miracle. I agree with you. God was in the center of that. And I can't thank you enough. Jared Kushner, author of the book, Breaking His. Thank you you so much. Thank you. Um, All right. In almost all cases, the secret to success in buying or selling a home is having the right real estate agent. It's not just as simple as having somebody who, you know, hey, I'm going to have an open house on Saturday. I'm going to invite all of the real estate agents over. What What is their plan? What is their advertising plan? And not for you, but for them. What is their website? How heavily is it trafficked? This is the way you sell a house. There are things that you need to do. And my company, Real Estate Agents I Trust, we go through these and we vet these uh, real estate agents like nobody's business. Uh, they are they are scrutinized and it's not like you're part of the team and then you're not scrutinized. We follow up to make sure that they are still Hitting everything that they need to hit. Real Estate Agents It is a free service to you. Um, they don't work for me. They just, we recommend the right ones, uh, in our opinion. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 second station ID. Like, we got to have him back. I, I, I wanted to ask him, what do the people in the Middle East think of us now? And mm-hmm. can we ever get that back? We keep pulling the rug
2: out from one oh, of them. After, from all of them. After all of this worked, and then we're back at the table with Iran. Yeah. And begging them for stuff.
0: Yeah. And it was not just the people in the Middle East that didn't trust us. Now we, we're, tomorrow is the one year anniversary of screwing all of our allies in Afghanistan. Mm.
2: I mean, <laughs> how we recover from that one, I, I, I don't know. We, I don't think our reputation will ever recover
0: from that. It's the biggest foreign policy catastrophe no, in my lifetime. It'll take at least a couple of presidents and being stable uh, to be able to do that. All right, we have uh, some really good news uh, about this one year anniversary. I'll share it with you in just a minute. The Glenn Back Program. So Henry wrote in about his experience with Relief Factory. He says, I was having periodical lower back spasms, medications, therapy, nothing was helping. In desperation, I gave Relief Factory a try. He said, (laughs) I love this. To my surprise, it worked. I mean, I know that's the way I was, too. This isn't going to work. You try it and you're like, what? Come on. I've tried everything. He said, I don't have any discomfort at all now for months Thank you. Relief factor. Henry, thank you. Thanks for trying it. And that's all I'm asking. If you are in pain and you want to get your life back, don't settle for anything but your life back. I know you've probably tried everything. Seventy percent of the people who try this for three weeks go on to order more. And they tell you, try it for three weeks. Take it as directed. If you don't see anything in three weeks, it's not going to work for you, most likely. ReliefFactor.com. Try it. 800, the number four relief. 800, the number four relief. Relief Factor. Feel the difference at ReliefFactor.com.
2: Join the movement at Blaze TV. Go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn to save 10 bucks.
0: It was a year ago tomorrow that we betrayed the world and we betrayed um, our own values. And we betrayed those who had helped us for so long to try to bring peace and decency to Afghanistan. The world ignored the Taliban forever. Just kind of like we're doing again now. While the atrocities just went on. Then 9-11 woke us up. And then we started to nation build, which is always our Achilles heel. But in that time, women grew up free and not seen as just a woman who had to be covered head to toe. And couldn't go to school. Couldn't do certain things. Subject only to her husband. People are still trapped in that, but I want you to know what you've done. It's mainly because of this audience. Now, there were many other charitable groups that were down on the ground, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but I believe we were the only ones that were flying people out. So we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. They wouldn't have been able to do it without us. Do you know how many Oscar Schindlers there are now? If you donated to the Nazarene Fund a year ago, you are an Oscar Schindler. You saved lives and got them out. A year ago, I talked to two young ladies, Asma and her sister, Azuda. Azuda was here in America, and her sister had come back home to visit mom and dad. Uh, she was she was in uh, I'm trying to remember not the Philippines. Well, she'll tell. Um, she was getting um, an education, and she was coming back home for the holiday. And she was walking the streets, and all of a sudden, she saw the black flags start to fly, and guys with guns. The Taliban were back, and she escaped in a harrowing escape. Well, she's here in America now, thanks to you, Asma. Welcome to the program.
3: Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, you.
0: You bet. You sound better than you did when I first talked to you after you first got here. You sound happier and and uh, more at ease.
3: Uh, I am. Absolutely, I am. Um, a lot of things changed in my life since last year, and it's it changed in a good way, which I am really grateful to you and to everyone who donated to the Nazreen Fund. Uh, you guys are, like, really saved us. You saved me and you saved my family, and as you mentioned about the Oscar, the Schindler, you are, all of you are, so thank
0: you. You bet. Asma, I got a uh, phone call. I'm trying to remember where I was, and I happened to be, I don't remember where it was, but I happened to be with David Barton, who was instrumental also in uh, everything that happened. And we got a phone call, and we were told her parents are in the United States. And it was this summer, I think, that they finally got here, wasn't it? A couple months uh, ago?
3: Oh, Yes. Uh, they, they, they made it to United States in end of June, almost the yes. beginning of July.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. And is it true? You haven't really seen them. You, you met them, right? You just haven't seen them because you're now going to college.
3: Yes. Um, well, when they came to United States, they were in national conference center in, in Virginia. And, in a government facility and the government was not allowing anyone to visit mm-hmm. their families or 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 their loved ones. So they didn't allow me to go and visit my parents and then uh, the government moved my parents to Philadelphia and it's quite far away from where I was living in Virginia and I only made it, um, I, I traveled to Philadelphia one day and I met my parents for a few hours. And then I had to come back to Virginia because I had to go, come and get ready to attend Virginia Tech. Yeah,
0: I, I remember when we made the promise that we would get your family to America, and I think I thought at the time, "Geez, I, I don't know how we're going to do this." Your dad actually was heroic in his help with uh, America, and we just abandoned and left him behind, and your mom and your brother uh and um, uh, we really needed to get him out and wanted to, but man it was it was uh unsure, especially in the last year with the Taliban. things have gotten really bad again in Afghanistan, have they not
3: um, you're right, things are very brutal it's very violent in Afghanistan, and unfortunately because there is no free media in Afghanistan any lo- anymore. We are not hearing about these news around this part of uh, the world, but there are a lot of brutality and violence that Taliban are doing. And you did a huge job, like the whole Nazeem fund and the Mercury one. I mean, thank thank you so much, guys, for like taking my parents out of Afghanistan safely, not my parents, but also my brother, which made my family out of Afghanistan safely. Yes, my father worked with the U.S. government for almost 17 years with the U.S. forces and the U.S. government, and he had an SIV, but he, he, he would have never made it out of Afghanistan if it wasn't it for your persistence and your help and your kindness and generosity and willingness to help people like my father. So thank you.
0: Oh, you're more than welcome, you're so gracious. Um how are you doing in school?
3: Ah uh, I'm doing good. It's it's been first week. I'm getting saddled down, finding my courses. It's it's fantastic. I'm,
0: try, I'm trying trying to remember where you were going to school. You were somewhere um in Asia if I remember right. Uh, and then you came back yes. home. Where were you?
3: I was studying in Bangladesh. Oh, Bangladesh. In Asian University for Women, yes.
0: And, and, and then
3: co- how it co- started.
0: How different is it from Afghanistan and Bangladesh? How different is Virginia Tech?
3: It's it's very different um, in a very positive way. There are more many resources available in the campus that uh, that that we can use uh, to get our education and also get comfortable, um, successful in our in our during our time in the university and also to make sure that we are establishing a good career after we graduate from Virginia Tech. So that's uh, that's awesome. The other part is the campus; it's huge. And it's big. It's it's quite a nice place. What do you and people around here are very friendly.
0: What do you want to do with your education? What do you want to be?
3: Uh, um. Right now, I'm majoring in fintech and big data analytics. It's a mix of uh, computer science, finance, and data data science. And I am planning to, um, when I graduate from university, I'm planning to to build a modern financial system for Afghanistan, yeah. for post-Taliban Afghanistan. And mm. because right now uh, we do not have any financial system, the only financial system that is in use in Afghanistan is called Hawala. If anyone is familiar with it, it existed since 8th century and it's corrupted. <laughs> it. It's very corrupted, and um, it's it's not. The government do not have any control on it. Mm-hmm. They cannot tax it, nor they cannot uh, record it or monitor it. Like anyone who wants, can like transfer money from outside the country to inside illegally, and then distribute it among uh, their militia. This was one of the methods the Taliban are financing their their terrorist group okay. and how they became power in Afghanistan and managed to seize the control of the government.
0: Um, you can watch this really powerful interview I did with Asma and her sister at blaze tv.com slash Glenn or on my website at glenbeck.com. It's pinned right to the homepage today. It is fascinating. She agreed to do the interview a year ago with one exception. She said, I will do it except she wanted one thing in exchange to thank the American soldiers, and it is a powerful, powerful cry fest at the end. It is, it is so great. If you would like to help her with her education, you know, the family left everything behind, and uh, if you would like to help her with her education, you can do it through Venmo or GoFundMe or by mailing a check. You can find out all of the information uh, at her website, asthma.com. Pajir, P-A-I-G-E-E-R. Asthma, P-A-I-G-E-E-R.com. We'll put that also up at Glenbeck.com. Asthma, thank you so much. God bless. My best to your sister and your family.
3: Thank you so much.
0: You bet. Thank you for uh, God, having me. God bless. Uh, She is. She was so afraid last time, but she had just gotten off the plane. Um, Even during the best of financial times, it is wise to make sure that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. I think you and I can agree on that. Uh, And you also could agree that... Uh, These aren't the best of financial times this week only Goldline has a self-directed retirement account special for new applications, which means old 401k accounts, TSP accounts, traditional Roth IRA accounts and so much more. When you complete your IRA application this week and you don't have to even buy anything, you're just going to receive a suite of free silver and copper products just for your time. It's a ton of free items just to get you started. Call Goldline today and find out how they can help with your retirement accounts. Call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You can also contact them today for your free exclusive copy of Carol Roth's latest Goldline newsletter. Um, You can get that. I'm telling you, with what happened yesterday, the White House did yesterday, inflation is going to be even worse. Worse, even worse than we expected. Uh, So please hedge your bet. Eight six six gold line.
1: This is the Glenn Back Program.
0: Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. I don't have a Monkey Pox update, but that <laughs> hasn't stopped us before. <laughs> in fact, we haven't had many Monkey
2: Pox updates, <laughs> even though we've played the song almost every single day. Right,
0: right. <laughs> Some would say this is just a cheap way for us to play this, so it's an earworm in your head and you're singing it all day and... Uh, you think of us sometimes not so fondly, <laughs> but you're thinking of us.
2: Yes, and that's normally 100 percent accurate. But today, we actually do have a pretty, I think, major monkeypox update. What's your impression of the monkeypox situation? It's raging out of control now. It well, me... we were
0: in the, in the United States. Mm-hmm. We had like fifteen hundred or fifteen thousand or yeah, something. We I... were number one, which I liked. I mean, we were number one. It's the only thing left that we're number one in as yes. a nation. And I'll take it. I know. Well,
2: that was my impression, right? We were, this is a really, really, really big problem. The question was, was it was it going to cross over and hit everybody tomorrow? Who knows? What could happen? Mm. Well, New York was kind of the epicenter of this, which shockingly, that seems to be the case with almost all disease. <laughs> Weird. Glad we're not there anymore. <laughs> but uh, did you know, since the beginning of this month, monkeypox cases in New York are down. 80 percent
0: all you 80%. need to do is just say stop having sex man-on-man yeah. man sex with 10 partners
2: well that did seem to be a big part of the yeah, decline yes did, uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> so there you go it's good news on monkey
0: box. Oh, wow. monkey box that's in a time when you really are struggling for good news that is good news. <laughs> <laughs> There's fewer cases of some uh, terrible virus out yeah, there. So, so good that's, for us. Uh, that's good. That's good. So. So we've uh, pretty much covered everything. Uh, I think we had to uh, today. We... No. Well, what about
2: what about the big podcast this weekend? You we haven't even talked about that yet. Oh,
0: we haven't. It's no, a big was... one, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Very funny. Very. He's uh, he's a fan I didn't know that Mm. Um, he admitted this. He admitted it. I said, you're not you're not the brightest. You're (laughs) not the brightest bulb. (laughs) No, Um, but uh, yeah, he admitted it. And I said, so back in the because he switched to a a Republican uh, in 2013. And I said, so you were a Democrat, you know, back in the you know 2008 and during Obama. So you must have hated me. And he said, no, I said I did. But I watched you all the time. And I would be like, I hate this guy, but he's right about that. <laughs> and, that's how uh, it starts. That's how it that's starts. That's how you get infected. That's mm-hmm. how it starts. It's like monkeypox. pox. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it's really very funny um, and refreshing and not needy. He wasn't, you know, he's not, uh, he, he says some pretty remarkable things. Uh, and I'm like, you really? And he's like, I don't care. Yeah, I made my money. I don't
2: (laughs) care anymore. That's that's when
0: you get really good interviews.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he's not like he's out here promoting some big thing. It's not. He's just he actually just cares about saying what he believes is true.
0: Yeah. And cares about, you know, I don't know, like speech. He cares about that. (laughs) How did we lose that? You know, we you, talk about it it's interesting you, you saw uh,
2: the, um, the satanic versus guy that was, uh, was name? his name's escaping Salman, Salman, Rushdie. Salman Rushdie thank you uh, when he had his attack and you and come you on. saw so many people who didn't come to his defense on his right to say the things they might say oh well we're sorry he was stabbed but it was well this is what happens when you say bad things about the prophet and it's like that. that's not even like Islamic clerics saying that I'm saying like journalists and writers people who Make their living off of free speech. No longer think that's a, a criticism of certain people is okay. That's a scary thing in our society.
0: Okay, thanks for bringing me down. I was in a happy place <laughs> with Rob Schneider. And, and our monkeypox update. And the monkeypox update. I'm going back there. Okay. We're still number one in the world with <laughs> monkeypox. Uh, the Rob Schneider interview, the podcast is available for Blaze TV subscribers right now on demand. Make sure you get it. The Glenn Back Program.